0: From Muhlenberg College, this is 2402. In each episode of this podcast, we talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. My name is Sofia Echeverria, and for this episode, I spoke with Drew Swedberg, class of 2017. Drew is working as a documentary filmmaker in the Lehigh Valley, as well as being a media educator with kids ranging from kindergarten through college. As with all of these interviews, our conversation begins by asking how and when Drew became interested in his occupation.
1: It it was while I was in college, and it wasn't before that. So I'll I'll start there just by saying that, like, for me, I was always interested in narrative work. And through high school, going into college, I was confident that my life was going to be spent in the world of narrative. And I think that through the community at Muhlenberg and the mentorship of filmmakers like Aggie Bazaars and Nanda Nisikhand and Andy Smith that I sort of redirected towards documentary. And I think that the nice thing about that is I had a sort of narrative background because I was really interested in cinematography. And so I sort of grounded my education through narrative in cinematography. And when that shifted to documentary, it was really about thinking about how, how I can exist in that space as a cinematographer and really, you know, still hold those sort of inspirations and sort of like um, interest in narrative work as well. So it became a really incredible space of exploration and of interest to me, just in terms of thinking about the the sort of intersections of, of cinematography and how it bridges both the narrative and documentary world.
2: When did you make the shift into working with students?
1: I was teaching all through college. And so I, I worked a lot with the Office of Community Engagement. I had a site all four years at Jefferson Elementary School where I was working with, with students um, there in a first grade classroom. So I spent four years of college in a first grade classroom. And as I was there, I think I began to imagine what it would look like to bring film into education spaces because because one that's you know where my interest was and what I was passionate about but two I had a lot of people throughout my life that continued and continue to today be like you need to teach and you need to go get your teaching certificate and you need to, to get the full-time job as, as a teacher and I think for me like it's it's a way of balancing that interest and love for teaching with the sort of documentary work that I want to do and having that flexibility to do both. And I. I you know, I, I always say to people that I have two full-time jobs. I do both in this sort of like parallel lane. Like it's not like half my life is here, half my life is here. They both um, intersect in really beautiful ways. And yeah, I just continue to try to um, stay dedicated to both both of those. I think one of the things I've been really focused on, especially in, in spaces with young people that are coming into documentary for the first time is actually trying to expand that definition. Right now I'm teaching a program with um, PBS 39 another program that we get to, you know, have seven artists working with our students. And that becomes a site where students began to be introduced through the lens of documentary, but now they're working on narrative films, documentary films, hybrids, like all these different imaginings of what that looks like. We're thinking about the high school students that I'm working with right now. They're working on essentially like a thesis level film that's grounded in, in reality, that's grounded in documentary work, but has completely opened up into a, a science fiction film because their definition has been pushed, expanded, complicated in ways that allow them to imagine this really important work that they want to be doing and what space it can take up and what, what form it can take.
2: So I know you're also working on your film in love and memory would you mind talking about that process and maybe what got you started and some of the mm-hmm. challenges that came with it
1: yeah so I, I can definitely talk about that I think you know for me it's really interesting because there's a through line in that work that trace can be traced back to what I was doing in the documentary story making program at um both you know Muhlenberg Lafayette and Lehigh because all it the The program is at all three sites and can be traced back there because when I was working um, on what essentially became the thesis sort of documentary film I was doing in that program um, with Sherry Rodriguez and Alexandra Avilas, we were looking at Allentown through the lens of gentrification um, and thinking about the last, you know, it's 2017, so almost a decade of redevelopment that Allentown has been experiencing. And this, what, what many people have cited accurately as one of the most aggressive revitalization efforts in the country. And so we sort of began in that space. We came, all three of us came to Muhlenberg in 2013. And so we came in as that redevelopment was really picking up. And over the course of four years at Muhlenberg really saw an incredibly dramatic and careless shift in how the city was taking care of residents. And so our documentary work was grounded in that. And as that project sort of formed and then solidified, we actually, Alexandra moved, Sherry went to work at PBS, and I sort of stayed with the film and and stayed in collaboration with both of them. It became a part of the organizing work I was doing with an organization called the Allentown Coalition for Economic Dignity, which was fighting for legislation and policy that would protect and empower residents to live lives in in Allentown that doesn't allow the impacts of gentrification to displace and harm the communities that have sustained a city um, for the last couple of decades and as that sort of happened it opened up relationships in the community in terms of thinking about the the documentary work the organizing work how both those things were moving and you know for me like having the documentary be traced back to and sort of grounded in the relationships is sort of how that got opened up. And so I met Shallon, who's my co-director on the documentary, whose story is at the center, and the story of her son is at the center of the documentary. And I met her back in 2018, I believe. And at first, I was doing work with her as a participant, strictly as a participant within the film, or within the, the documentary work that I was doing. And that just took off and it became this, this space of thinking about how she wanted to honor her son and keep his memory close. And so when she came to me to imagine how, like how to best do that, we we talked about what that would look like as a documentary and it sort of began to, um, yeah, began to, to move from there. And I think, you know, we applied for funds from, um, LV, LV, oh gosh, I better get it right because they've funded us. LVHC, the Lehigh Valley Engaged Humanities Consortium. And so we applied for funds from there. We got tremendous support from them to begin this project. And yeah, the last we've been working on it now for over two years. So it traces and documents two years in, in Shallon's life as she collaborates with storytellers and looks to preserve
2: um, the memory of her son. Has COVID had a huge impact on the work that you're doing? And you can talk about this. I know you said you felt like you had two part-time jobs. You can talk about this with both the film and the students.
1: And COVID has had, you know, and yeah, just a tremendous impact on both works and both both of the the sort of full-time jobs that I do. And so I'll, I'll start by thinking about sort of the documentary work, right? And within the documentary work, the, the biggest priority becomes safety. Thinking about how the story continues and the story itself sort of continues irregardless of the sort of state of public health, but how can we ground our practices and make sure that we are not, as filmmakers, putting anyone at risk in terms of their health and their safety. And so for us, what ended up happening is we had plans to continue production and we production was sort of halted in March. When it was halted, we actually, we took a, a really early shift into post-production. And so instead of sort of allowing the space to sit and sort of be delayed, we actually decided to move into a really early post-production because we had lots of footage. I don't know if hundreds of hours is the right way to describe it because I don't actually know the sort of timestamp on that, but we had close to two years of documentation. And so we moved into post-production. Shallon, myself, and a recent graduate Haley of Muhlenberg actually we applied to and got into MDoc's Storytellers Institute. And so we actually, that was sort of the first space over the summer that helped us to imagine and move into post-production because that space of artists that sort of came together decided in the pandemic, because it was supposed to be in person, to shift it online. And we are really grateful for them because it sort of gave us the space early in the pandemic to both build community with more artists, but also to really begin the really difficult work of editing a feature documentary and doing it as three, essentially first-time filmmakers. I've done short work before. Haley's done short work before. This was Shallon's first foray into film. And in a lot of ways, this was a process of learning how to. And we're really lucky to have um, a community of filmmakers that support us in doing that.
2: With your students, did you plan to meet with them in person or...? Was the virtual from
1: the start? The goal has always been to work in, in person with students. And the work has shifted quite dramatically from when I graduated from college, where I've been able to acquire equipment and I, you know, am sort of building the ability for students to sort of learn on equipment that, because for me, like in terms of thinking about education, it's, it's a real tension between thinking about like, how, how do we ground the classroom in utilizing tools that we have direct access to. So how do we not sort of like build the definition of film as something that can only be possible if you have a lot of money to make films? But then at the same time, how do students that don't have access to equipment in Allentown have access to that? And, and how do we also bridge that? Yeah, that access in Allentown of not being able to afford equipment or not being able to have a space in the city or in the region that really allows students to come in and play and explore and imagine with, you know, high end equipment that allows them to do that and allows them to fully see their, you know, their vision on screen. So in twenty nineteen, we did a summer program at Community Bike Works. We had seven students that were in middle school and high school that created their their first films, um, documentaries, narrative films. Um, and the plan was to continue to work with them to to run another program in person. And what ended up happening is when the pandemic started, for me, a lot of the in-person work was instantly shut down. So the, you know, kind of almost instantaneously, it was getting emails that were like, okay, this this thing that was going to happen over the summer, we can't do this. this. This thing, we can't do this. For me, it became really a space of imagining really really quickly and instantly and you know I'm really lucky where a lot of the the work I was already thinking of was grounded in sort of like online experiences for young people and like thinking about like you know how do young people interact with social media like how how do they create how do they find spaces to consume and create and that's that's always been a sort of an interest and, and sort of practice of mine of thinking about that in the classroom, even when it was in person. So it became a shift of how do we imagine what that looks like online for students in a space where so many creative spaces were no longer accessible to them. And so, you know, for me, it became a, a, just a really dramatic sort of shift in language in the applications I was submitting, in the people I was talking to, and, you know, really thinking about like, what are the things that we can do online? And, you know, the most incredible part of that was the fact that, you know, a lot of the teaching work that I was doing in person was either by myself or with usually with like a a teaching assistant that was learning how to sort of teach film. And I was, when I started out of college, it was always by myself because that was the only sort of like hiring practice where people were like reaching out to me and they're like, oh, can you teach this? And as I moved into the next year or two, when people were reaching out to me, I was like, oh, I need this. Like I, I need someone to work with me. And so then it became sort of creating classroom spaces of two. In 2019, it became when applying for funds saying, I want to bring in four guest artists. And so the community sort of expanded. And what ended up happening is when we went virtual, that sort of just exploded because all of a sudden I put into the language, a co-educator, a four artists that were mentoring students for producers on their project. And all of a sudden we were creating a classroom with 10 filmmakers that were teaching essentially one-on-one with students. And we were able to do that with the funding because of the space that was possible, that we were able to collaborate with Lehigh alums that are living in California, um, Muhlenberg alums that are living in Lancaster, Newark, New York, Philadelphia. Like we were able to sort of create that community virtually for our students in ways that yeah that were really beautiful and i think were really necessary within the context of the of the pandemic to really find ways to continue to build community so that was really the dramatic shift and and now for me one of the things that i'm thinking towards in the future is that i'm thinking towards is like how can we take what's been really beautiful about the the possibilities of virtual and build that into a hybridity of when we arrive back at in person classes like how can mentors be embedded into the edit room for students? How can they be embedded into the, the story forming processes? Because I think once, once it does get back into some semblance of public, for me, I don't, I don't want to be teaching by myself anymore because of how teaching as a collaborative, as a community has really expanded the possibilities of the classroom. So you know, for, for me, it's, it's difficult because in Allentown, a lot of the students that have graduated are all over the space, all over the country, all over the globe. And so virtual allows that to to be bridged. You know, for me, like I'm starting to think about like what, what can that sort of hybridity look like when we return to in-person spaces?
2: Along that same line, I'm kind of wondering if there have been any other rewards that came out of <laughs> this career for you? And it doesn't just have to be because of the pandemic, but just in general, like what what has really come out for you as something that surprised you or just?
1: yeah, I think the biggest thing that's surprised me is and and to to sort of separate this or or think about it in the context of the pandemic, but also to like separate it from it, because I think similarly to it's it's really difficult to think about the pandemic. as having anything good within it, just in terms of the the mass amount of of death that has occurred. And so, you know, for me, one, one of the things that I've learned and began to trust more is that you can put forward process-oriented work. And I think that's really important both for the classroom space in the context of the pandemic, but again, you know, outside of the context of the pandemic in that future, that we can not only find support for, but also build spaces that are oriented around process and not around product. Because I think that's, that's the, the, one of the most difficult spaces to bridge, both within a classroom of, of young people that are learning film for the first time, or within the work, within documentary work, is like, how do you trust and ground it in process in a way that makes the product possible, but doesn't orient itself around the product or the need for the product or the, the desire for the product? For me, I think that's the biggest process of, or the biggest, the biggest um, sort of transformation of trust that has occurred in my career is knowing that process-oriented work is possible, that sort of trying to imagine it outside of the harms of capitalism is possible, and I think that is something that you know I'm really really happy to be doing that alongside so many people that are beginning to imagine that future in that
2: world. What advice do you have for budding documentarians?
1: Mm, it's a great question. For me, it's, it's always going to be about building community. And what I mean by that is that I think for both for myself, but also for the imagined student both like where I was, but also like students that are going through college now. It's really easy to, to try to dedicate yourself to the work. And in doing so, the risk is always that you, you sort of isolate and you decide, you know, like I, I can do this by myself. My advice would be to really think about who are you doing the work with? How are you building community in, college in Muhlenberg right now that is going to be the community that not only you are supporting once you leave the institution, but also is supporting you. And I think thinking about that as a really accountable process, thinking about that as a really symbiotic, I think that's the right science word, process that both you and your community are are supporting each other. That's where I would say students at Muhlenberg or at any college should look to as early as possible and that includes their peers it includes the students that are ahead of them that are about to graduate it includes the students that when they're about to graduate are coming up and it includes the, the faculty and the and the the mentors that are sort of embedded within these spaces because for me none of the work would have been possible if the relationships weren't centered you know really sort of like space of of wanting to be really honest and transparent about the work. Like the majority of work I got outside of college were people setting me up in spaces that knowing I was looking for work, knowing I was trying to do this in a way that was very sort of independent from a sort of full-time job, connecting me with spaces, people, resources that I needed, and that wouldn't have been possible if the relationship wasn't the most important thing. And I think back to thinking about process-oriented work, I would also say thinking about relational work. Those two things, career-wise, are the most important to me. And I think I can trace that back to what was happening at Muhlenberg within the Elbaic documentary story-making program because that already shifted the scope of Muhlenberg to include Lafayette and Lehigh, right? And so that would be my advice, is to really start thinking about your work as relational. Think about who you're accountable to. And how can you build and sustain a community that is going to hold you close after the institution? Because that's inevitable. That's 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 going to come regardless of yeah, regardless of anything, that time is gonna progress you to the end of that space. And I would say the the thing that I always think about is like how Muhlenberg or college, there was always contact. You could leave your home space every day and just by, by chance, run into someone and, and be able to build conversation, be able to build community. Once you leave that, that has to become intentional. That part of it, if, you, if you're building that in college right now, if you're building those communities in college right now, it's a lot easier to do that once you leave. Because those are the people you're gonna be making work alongside. Those are the people whose careers are going to come up with yours. And 10, 20, 30 years from now, those are the people that are going to be, whose work you're going to be seeing and celebrating and talking about. And and I think really having an emphasis and a focus on, on that is really important. I'm really lucky right now where I get to work with you, Sophia, in terms of being a sort of teaching assistant in the space that you're working in. And I get to see your work sort of growing and beginning to imagine that life outside of college and outside of the institution. And so, you know, for me, like, I'm, because I, I, you know, I, I still live in the Lehigh Valley. And I think it's something that's been really beautiful, both about that community that's been built, and the people that are sort of taking care of me, that I continue to have opportunities to work with students that are in college and beginning to imagine what their art and what their work looks like outside of college. And that has really opened up a lot of really important collaborations and relationships that wouldn't have been possible if there weren't people that were mentoring me and teaching me in college that then became collaborators and colleagues that then also began to you know imagine how that also exists what they were doing for me how can i do that same work for students that are in college you know the the work i do with middle school and high school students right now all of that feels interconnected and again so like thinking about the the education work coming at the same time as the creative work like that doesn't feel like separate work and i think that's what makes it a little bit easier to sort of balance the work that i do have which is working on the documentary teaching different classroom spaces collaborating with different organizations and beginning to imagine how the lehigh valley can be a really exciting and blossoming site of film and of documentary.
0: This episode of 2400 Chew was produced and edited by Sofia Echevarria, a senior anthropology major at Muhlenberg College. It was recorded remotely by Paul Kompasky at the studios of WMUH Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band.